0: Hello everyone, welcome back to the Ben Griffin Podcast. Today I have a very special guest, Will, stopping by to talk to me about everyday philosophy, the value of faith, balance in life, and much more. But first, I thought I'd add a little something new for the start of the week. As some listeners know, I love to learn something new whenever I can. And starting off this week, I visited Nolan Moore of Grunge.com, where he tells the story of the 1910 Halley's Comet Crisis. When Halley's Comet first began its approach in 1910, it ignited interest in the public. Hotels started offering deals for folks to sit on the rooftop and watch the comet pass. But not everyone loved this amazing event. One Camille Flammarin had the crazy idea that the tail contained poisonous gas. The New York Times did a piece on him, which led to other newspapers retelling his message. This ended up causing a hysteria of false advertising. People broke into stores to steal gas masks. Some businessmen created anti-comet pills. People even began to plug the keyholes in the doors to keep the gas out of their homes. But when the comet passed, it was all proven worthless, as no one was killed by the poisonous gas. That's it for this week's interesting story. So thanks for tuning in, and enjoy the podcast. All right, Will, welcome to the podcast. Thanks for having me, Ben. Yeah, it just starts up just like that. All right. (laughs) Um, Well, I guess I kind of want to start where I first met you, because I don't really know you personally yet. Yeah. Um, I I believe I met you first at the RA training. Yeah. I've been having a theme of having a lot of RAs on. It's been fun. It's been always (laughs) interesting, because every one of them is a character in their own right.
1: (laughs) I'd say that's true, yeah.
0: Yeah. But... You're also a communication guy. So I'm kind of curious like, are you, or what's your major? Your communication? Or what are you minoring in? Sure.
1: Yep. So my major is communication, as you picked up on. And I'm minoring in philosophy and political science.
0: So you have the two minors. Two minors, yeah. Okay. Yeah. I've always been curious, too, because the first time I really got to talk to you, we were in, uh, Public speech or no, was it was Pub- freedom of speech, freedom of speech. Class. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. And we had a lot of discussion about philosophy kind of worked into government. Where did that interest come to you? Cause it's always been kind of a way that I've seen you kind of yeah. like a, if it's a snapshot of will, <laughs> it's will with a philosophy textbook running off to a corner to read something. It always gets me very, it just makes me laugh every time. Right?
1: I appreciate it. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, um, I've really found a love for philosophy in college, um, If I could go back and start over again, I'd probably double major in philosophy and something else. I don't know what it would be. Probably not com. Um, Yeah, a lot of the people that I admire um, have some background in philosophy or um, are intentional about taking a philosophical approach to life. So whether that's um, Professor John Houston, who's, who's here, or Dr. Jordan Peterson, who I know we've both talked about um there's a few other a few other people that I look up to um in that regard and so yeah. I've kind of taken it on and I think that's how I I'm best able to think about life so
0: yeah. what was there ever like uh I've I've gotten a chance to talk to Father Rene of yeah. the Philosophy Tournament love him he's mm-hmm. awesome yep. he has this moment that I never heard this term before and I'm kind of curious to see what you think of it, about it he calls it like the light switch. There's a point in your life, the intellectual light switch or the intellectual um, spark that Mm -hmm. you kind of take off and you're like, Oh now I want to like learn all this stuff and I'm starting to develop and you hit it here. Mm -hmm. What was that like switch for you? Do you remember or did it just kind of hit you in the middle of the night?
1: Yeah. um, I think it actually happened at the end of high school Um, though. It's something like thinking, Just thinking deeper in general, I think is something that has always been a part of me, which is really, it's an abstract thing. Everyone's capable of it. It's not, it's not anything that makes me special, but, But um,
0: who's willing to go there.
1: Yeah, I think that's part of it. Um, it was at the end of high school, I was in an AP English class and we had like a two week crash course on some philosophy majors or or, um, some philosophical stories. And I remember, Um, learning about Sisyphus and, you know, the, the image of rolling the stone back up the hill day after day. And that, that really just stuck with me for some reason. And I had no, you know, if you said like Plato or Socrates or some of these people i would be like, Oh, they're philosophers, but I had no, no concept, any, any deeper than that. And I think that was sort of what I was looking for all through high school. And I just, I just never encountered it. And that I was like, this is important, guys. I was, thinking, <laughs> I was thinking in my mind, you know, like we got we to gotta think about this stuff, you know. And so I think that was sort of the moment. And then so I put – when we were coming into college, they had the – I don't know if they still have this form, but they had a, like an interest form list. It's like check the boxes of things you'd be interested in and philosophy was one of them. And I'm like, hmm, I was, nice you form. know, I didn't come in with that as my minor or, or my major and I'm um, like, well, let's check it out. And I've we got randomly placed into – dr houston's class and i was like i'm so i need to be thinking about this like this is what i like so
0: yeah and did that it just grew and grew because now yeah. you, you minored in it but now you really love it so it's mm-hmm. kind of amazing to see that it's grown too yeah yeah i like it a lot so. oh, man oh i had because uh, oh was i was like i this is what happens when i write a script and i'm not looking down i get <laughs> I caught have, up in my own thoughts when you fine, say thoughtful man. but you're fine Last time I like really got to talk to you, you were running off to read a book. What what group are you into right now? It was a Greek philosopher. I'm trying to remember. you were reading. Um, hmm. Oh, you've probably gone through a couple now.
1: Uh, I'm trying to remember what it would have been last semester. I didn't. I don't. I didn't have a philosophy course last semester. I don't think I was reading. I read *The Catcher in the Rye*, which I found oh, very philosophical. Okay. I might have mentioned that to you. Have you read that book?
0: No, I oh, haven't. Man. I have to though. I'm it's, making a book list. It's it's been. I
1: just made one. Uh, <sighs> you got to do it. I got to do it, and I got
0: <laughs> uh, shameless plug. I got Audible for okay, like, so I listen now, and yes. oh, it's made a hell of a difference because I like listening to really like, I like almost scientific like sure. research books. Right now, I'm reading a book called *Fingerprints of the Gods* by Graham Hancock. Cool. And it's about this idea that we forgot about a civilization before. It's over 10,000 years ago, and we're finding all of these ruins in Turkey. One is called Gobekli Tepe. And I'm having... um, I'm hoping to have Nevin, um, who we both know, is an RA. He specializes in Turkish studies. And I'm hoping to have him on to talk about it a little bit, because he has some working knowledge of it. But it's this idea that... There were the cultivators of humanity, that there was an advanced civilization that was able to reach around the earth, and that's why there's such similar similarities everywhere we go, is because there was a, a constant stream of knowledge of agriculture. So, agriculture is the big one, because there's always a okay. farmer depicted, whether in Egypt or in the Amazon, they're wearing the same helmet, they have the same very thick lips, mm-hmm. they almost look like the same person, and they all have the same little, like, almost line and bag. Oh. And uh, it's interesting. It's an interesting book. It's outside of my usual range. I've never thought of it before, but it's just interesting to be around new ideas. Yeah. You know, so I'm like, ah, yeah. it should be fun. Well, he's that's interesting.
1: What, you know, that's what it should be all about.
0: Right yeah. Right here, so. Yeah, no, so, and he's got that, he's got an English, like a strong English accent, and it's just like, I could listen to you, and you could lull me to sleep. <laughs> it's like a warm yeah. glass of milk of a voice. It's amazing. <laughs> right. I love it.
1: Oh, oh man. But, yeah. That's nice.
0: So I have to ask though, how did you come into communication? Like you kind of knew in high school, mm-hmm. you like philosophy, but you chose, my yeah. mic's stripping. Um, you chose uh, communication. Why did you jump into communication or did you just kind of go instinctually like, yeah.
1: Yeah. Um I wish I had a grand story about this, but I, it was <laughs> Dude, pretty Don't simple.
0: worry. I did <laughs> it because I thought the classes were easy.
1: <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's what I found pretty quickly. Yeah. Um <laughs> no i my i was going through it was a similar time with the form that i just mentioned like yeah hey what do you you know what do you want your major to be there's some some form you fill out when you're coming in and um i was talking to my parents about it and um my dad's like well, both of my parents but i think my dad kind of prodded me about it a little bit. he's like you should try communication well yeah you know it's you know we're going through the list of stuff and i'm I'm pretty helpless in the harder sciences and, and mathematics. So I, so that was sort of out of the question. Um, I'm trying to get better at that, but that, that's not my, my area of expertise. I, you and me both. But, but um, I do like it. But, yeah. uh, um, so my dad was like, well, you should try communication. I mean, my, my cousins, I have an older cousin, Tom, who graduated with a comm degree three years ago. Three or four years ago, my cousin Megan, who I think we might have talked about, she graduated yeah, here yeah. last year, um, and she used a com degree. So it's sort of in the family, and yeah. it's like it's a safe route. You know, <laughs> you reliable. know you'll get you know you get a job, but I had to, I couldn't, uh, I couldn't be that close to the identity of the rest of my family. So I, yeah. I needed to mix it up a little. Yeah, bit.
0: play around with the whole right. minors and everything. So what yeah. do you hope to do with all of it? Like I know that's a big grand question yeah. for most college kids, and we get tired of answering that. it's
1: something you gotta face though yeah um yeah i'm not sure i i've been looking at some um business compliance jobs so you'd be like a it's like a yeah compliance officers i think the name of it so it's sort of an ethics position and you'd review trade deals or business deals both internally and externally okay different companies so you could do you can do it really in any field or for anyone um but it's kind of an analytical job. Interesting. Um, just something I played around with. I'm really not sure. I have a lot of, I have a lot of, um, of interests, and I, I don't think that other other people have said this before, but the American model of you finish high school, you go to college, you're still as green as can be at 21 or 22, graduating, and you know the sort of the expectation is like, well, where are you going for a job? It's like, yeah. well you know, for financial reasons, a lot of us have to grab one, but, um, I'd like to keep focusing on learning in some way. Yeah. And so I'll probably end up going into business next year to start paying off some loans. <laughs> but, um, yeah, I think that's kind of where I'm headed for now.
0: I'm kind of in the same boat with yeah. grad school. I kind of want to keep going just yeah. to see what yeah. I can do with it. But at the same time, it's like, yeah. uh, I I barely know what I'm going to be doing, right. you know, and what is it, eight weeks, we're out of here. I know. Yeah, because you I and I know. are both seniors. I didn't yeah. say that earlier. Yeah. Eight weeks, we're out of here, and I'm looking around for jobs. Yeah. Like, ah, are you,
1: have you found anything that you're interested in at this point?
0: Um, Nothing that sticks out, like, yeah. far and away. One thing I would like to do is I worked for Minnesota United. Okay. And they offered, if I wanted to come back, I was welcome to come back. And I could do that at graduate school, and I could kind of do part-time with them, go to graduate school. It might be nice. But sure. I'd like to continue doing this okay. because I'm awful at it, and I love being awful at it. <laughs> You're not so bad. Just wait. <laughs> <laughs> no, but it's it's so much fun to get out and do new things and try new things. I'm Currently, I'm going to be um, – I'm working with Johnny Benny Media, who's been wonderful – I'm going to be doing a spot on the news program and covering the caucuses. So I'm going to make a package and everything. Wow! I'm so excited to learn that. Yeah. But at the same time, I'm like, this is going to be a hot steaming pile of shit. This <laughs> is going to be great. I can't wait to start. But yeah. I love that feeling. I love constantly being mm-hmm. like in a position I don't know fully. And yeah. I would love to work with NPR. I'd love to work with just anyone who's willing to tell stories. Because I know that's kind of my niche. I love storytelling. Yeah. And I love meeting people and meeting new stories and kind of drawing it out of them and hearing what they have to say. And most importantly, when they can really make a fool out of me, I don't know why, but I get a high out of that. Like, yeah. I love when I, I can walk away and be like, that wasn't just wasted energy of, hi, how are you? Right. How was your day? What did right. you have for breakfast? Can't remember, leave. Yeah, I know.
1: You know. <laughs> That's pretty yeah. succinct. That's about what, it, what <laughs> happens, like 70% of the time. Yeah,
0: and it's yeah. always interesting to me because I – Ever since I transferred here, I came with such a weird, colorful cast of characters. Yeah. I came from an incredibly liberal school yeah. to a student base that was very, I don't want to say overtly conservative, but it was just a, a, a different side of the spectrum. And to be able to right. have conversations with everybody here yeah. and from where I was and be able to have no conversation ever, it's... I don't know. It's it's kind of like uh an animal being in the zoo and being put back in the wild. It's kind of yeah. like, "Oh my god, like I remember this now. I kind of love this." Right. So, it's always yeah. it's a blessing in disguise, honestly, when you get mm-hmm. folks that are harder to talk to or you get into something that you're so out of your depth you fail. And yeah. I've had a couple of those classes here where I'm just like, "No."
1: Right. <laughs> well, you really have to from what from my experience here, you really have to look for it um in in your peers because I know we've talked about this in class before too, but there's so many professors that uh they won't tell you that you're wrong mm-hmm. if you are. Yeah. And they know that you're wrong about something. It could be something simple. Yeah. But we I think there's a tendency here to let the misinformation continue for the sake of pride or like making people feel comfortable in classes yeah and it's not good for the school
0: no it doesn't it doesn't help with your balance either i know you as a philosophy guy balance in life yeah it's just yeah that's hard i i know i'm doing stuff wrong all the time and i should be called out for it yeah
1: we all are and it doesn't it, it can be it can be gentle but when it's so like in a classroom setting where it's so obvious like if you just have A fact wrong or you state something that's incorrect it's to everyone's benefit if you you rewind a a person is is gently told like well no that's not true let's (laughs) let's try it again you know and it doesn't have to be we we live in such a culture of oh like well we can't you know we can't offend anybody we can't hurt this person yeah what will they think about this it's like yeah who who's i mean we talked we just talked about this in philosophy the other day who's really your friend the person that lies to you with silence permitting you to continue when they know what you're doing is wrong or someone who you know pats you on the shoulder and is like hey that's that's wrong we got to try it again yeah who's really looking out for you and that's something important to think about
0: no that is interesting because i was just having a conversation about that about long story short we were talking about domesticating human beings like how we (laughs) kind of water ourselves down continuously or don't have that edge yeah um, but we talked about relationships and about how we don't really I want to make sure I choose my words right. but how yeah. we don't openly just say listen, like mm-hmm. that's not gonna be the best thing for you going long term right. There's no investing friendships really mm-hmm. you don't see anymore. There used to be a lot of them, I think, yeah because travel wasn't really an option. You couldn't reach across the country and meet new people. online wasn't around. So you really did invest in people, and you wanted to see them become something and flourish to be a better human being. Yeah. And maybe that's a learned thing. Maybe that's just a common trait of that generations before us, and maybe we're just different. But yeah, it is interesting to watch and see that people really don't want to invest that way, mm-hmm. however it might be, whether it be their time or just placement of being. Yeah. Um, even just some words, you know, if you're smiling and being friendly. I know f- I had friends. I shouldn't say friends anymore. I don't see them um hopefully they're well but they just never really had anything great to say and that was the reason I kind of left them behind they were funny yep. <laughs> they were funny people right but they never had anything great to say
1: yeah yeah i think um you know it's it's all been said before but we have to get comfortable with the uncomfortable basically yeah. we have to if you're if you're going to be comfortable your whole life you're not going to grow you'll never reach your potential no. you know so
0: no i i totally Gotta, understand that
1: you got to put yourself out there and it's so i was in <laughs> i was in um a math class the other day and we have these like half the class man is just so <laughs> they're so ungrateful <laughs> for what's going on this is if there's one thing to get out of my time here this is <laughs> this would probably be it we need to be <laughs> myself included, everybody yeah. we we need to be more grateful for what we have yeah like the more the more that you think about life and the history of humanity we're in such a good spot no matter oh, you know yeah. no matter your position if you're able to make it here and be in a classroom setting oh my gosh this is the so best much.
0: possible time yeah. i can ever think to be alive
1: i know i know and so and and i just don't think that gets communicated well in classes yeah and it's so it's just it seems to me so popular for the common or the common perspective seems to be like well you know we have the system right whatever it is yeah. in america or however however yeah. specific you want to be and it's like well here's all the problems with it it's like yeah that's part of the story but also look at how much good it creates yeah. you know and i just wish that was acknowledged before we go into critiques of something we don't understand
0: yeah so. i wonder i wonder what the solution would be what a solution would be to that. I wonder if it's just more service opportunities just to have more common will towards your community mm-hmm. or what that is. But yeah, yeah. I, it, now that you say that I've never really paid attention to how much good, I also think it's because I'm a communication major and because I work in news and broadcasting that yeah. I'm constantly looking for the oddities and mm-hmm. the weird stuff. And the right. weird stuff usually isn't always the greatest thing. Mm-hmm. You never really, I, well, I don't write a lot of fluff pieces anymore. Yeah. But yeah, but it's true anymore he says. No, oh god, I, I wrote a couple that were like, "Okay, all right. Yeah, the squirrel can water ski. Great." Right. Um, <laughs> yeah, right. No, but that is uh, Yeah, I'm I'm just happy now that I can talk to people more openly on the com- within this community, kind of yeah. going back to our beginning. And I think what you're saying about the professors is very much true. But yeah, it always surprises me who's willing to take the invitation to come into the office or sit down in the studio and talk with me and just the diversity of thought, but at the same time, the comfortable like Mm -hmm. stance they have. I don't know. It's, it's still coming. I know there's a lot of complaining about how people talk on campus. I know for the four year people, I'm, this is my second year here. Sure. But everyone's always got a bone to pick up with people on campus or something's going on, but I just really am amazed how beautiful it is here that you can sit down and talk
1: yeah, I think that's the right way to look at it. I mean, I, I've fallen into my own like, oh, why did that? You know, why does this person say that? Or like, that's so stupid. But yeah. it's like, you know, we're all learning. We're yeah. all growing. No one's no one's perfect, and we're never yeah. gonna be. So yeah, we, keep, we can we can either struggle our way forward together, or you know, get lost in our own insecurities and pride. So yeah. If we can put it behind us and talk to people like we're doing now, I think that's you know it's the right way to go. So.
0: Yeah, I'm gonna try to get a panel. I was my last podcast. I had a great time with um, another guy we know mutually. I've been having RAs lately. I got like, <laughs> yeah. I don't know. I just I'll yeah. find them to be characters. But you know Henry. Oh Henry! Yeah, he came on. Yep. And he was with um, Nathan, who I also think you know from the tr- cross country team. Okay. Nate Dog. <laughs> uh,
1: I don't know if I do. I'd probably. Oh, you would love him. him. But... He's okay. a great guy. He yeah. kind
0: of dresses like uh, Steve Jobs with turtlenecks. It's great. It's He looks like Jesus and Steve Jobs had a child, and that child <laughs> sure. really likes to run. Like, wow. Yeah, uh, it's, it's quite the wow. pairing, man. It's Yeah, he's yeah. a great kid. But we That's had cool. this thing. We ended up calling it something like Thoughtful Thursday on a Saturday. It was just ridiculous names. <laughs> sure. But sure. they came on, and Henry wanted to talk about um, environmental awareness, and mm-hmm. I've never touched it because I had such a bad experience with environmental communication last semester that class was brutal yeah so i was like i'm gonna take a break (laughs) and i'm not touching it but he wants to have a panel on and i was like oh my god i better get start getting ready now right if i could start getting panels that'd be awesome but yeah no it, it is always interesting to find people who are not even not even challenging your your way of thought or thinking it's just they're out there and you don't want to pay attention to them like mm-hmm. i don't pay attention to it enough and yeah. they come knocking it's kind of fun but mm-hmm. oh so yeah. i gotta like readjust on the therapy couch because now i'm like <laughs> good like, yeah, I f- always feel like when people look at me, they're like, oh, you kind of look like an old Greek painting. Like you should be feeding me grapes <laughs> or something. They're looking at me like, are you okay? Like, are you sure? It's like, it's like my age old question. How does a man properly sit on a piano? I've seen it done a thousand ways. I still don't know how to do it because of my performing background.
1: Sure. Oh, my God. Do you play music?
0: I used to. I used okay. to play piano and that, Wonderful. that star died fast. That's uh,
1: cool. That's just where I came from, actually. I had a piano kidding. lesson this morning. Yeah, oh, I
0: had no idea that you were a musician.
1: Yeah, well, I try to be. I'm, I'm getting back into it. <laughs> I I played when I was little, and it's sort of the classic drop, yeah. dropout story. You know, <laughs> come come back to it ten years later, try to pick up the pieces, I, <laughs> see what's left of the musical memory. But
0: uh, yeah, no, I I yeah. used to compete, and That's that amazing. was horrible. Oh my god, I would be so stressed because it would be like. You? Oh maybe I played until 7th grade. Okay. So what is that? That's 11? Yeah.
1: 12-ish? What was that like?
0: Oh my god. <laughs> it was one of these things where first off the my mind likes to wander places especially when I'm in situations I don't know. Like, you know, there's people you you there's awareness of your surroundings. And then there's hyper awareness of your surroundings. Mind's aware but not critical of surroundings, you know, like, I'll be going down. Let me start this again. Uh, Basically, my competitions always happened at a university somewhere, like a UW-Superior, UW River Falls. And in this case, I went to UW River Falls for uh, piano competitions. And the way they judged these piano competitions was you would walk down into a practice room, like in the basement of um, the BAC, if you know where those are. Those tiny little rooms with, like, a piano in it. And there'd be a judge in there and they had like 30 rooms. So there'd be like 34 judges Four would be walking around. If there was like a really impressive piece, I'd walk over and help. But what I did is I just, the only reason I was doing competition is because there was like my thing, the teacher required you to do. Sure. So I would go into this little room with this professor and start playing, and I could only play, like, two songs. If they asked me to start over or something like that, it was like Dance Monkey, you know, and I would just start playing. Sure. (laughs) And I'm in this tiny little room, and I'm like, are you really sure you want to do this to me, Mom? You're just going to drop me off with a stranger in a room, and I'm just going to play piano? But it did. It worked out. I didn't do anything special with it. It was always fun. Like, I remember having fun doing it. I just hated the practice. And that's always kind of been my big thing, is if I don't like practicing, then playing just doesn't feel the same basketball is a different story. Like I love basketball cause I love to practice yeah. soccer excelled at cause I love practicing. Like I that's loved great. it. Yeah. But music was always one of those things. I just was never, I was never engaged the way I could be. I did do plays though. And that okay. was a dark, that was, Oh,
1: <laughs> that's, do you do that at all anymore? No, not really. I, mean, I just I, <laughs> don't have the time. No, I yeah. would do it. I probably yeah.
0: would. I like embarrassing myself. Sure. I mean, I don't mind it at all. i, I
1: Oh, it's such a healthy risk. Oh, dear. talk about a good place to grow, theater. I wish. Oh my you know, God, I. It's incredible stuff.
0: It's you would love it because it's just you're out there. You're just like okay, yeah. and there's just really nice people. You're just doing your thing. All of them are weird. All of them are characters. Yeah. And they're not gonna be like that's a terrible thing to say. They know. They know right. what they are. Right. You know what you are, theater right. majors. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> well, what a crew
1: to spend your time around.
0: Yeah. No, it was a blast. I had a great time. Yeah. I got a. I think I got a scholarship. This is how old I am. I don't even remember. I think I got a scholarship for it, of acting, and I've never touched it. Wow. Like I just never went That's back. Cool. Yeah. But this is more performing now. Like sure. You just you sit on a mic a lot of times when I get like a comedian on here. Mm-hmm. Um, one of my friends, Rachel, comedian in quotes. She's about as funny as one came yeah. on and yeah. I don't even know how to package this. She wanted to talk about porn. Sure. And I was just like, "Okay, we we're acting now. We're yeah. we're going we're going off the deep end. We're just gonna talk about this. Yeah. <laughs> we're gonna get it done." But it's always a performance. It feels like when you get on a podcast or you're doing an interview, because sure. oh, when I I've been on both sides where I'm interviewing someone and they're interviewing me and yeah. nothing is more awkward than what I'm doing to you like just talking at you just coming at you and you got to sit there with your hands underneath your thighs like okay yeah, yeah. all right fine <laughs> no but oh, man. it's always something interesting going on but I, this is actually an interesting thing I wanted to ask you about because you uh were involved in the basketball team here for a while no. or you you just you knew no. a lot of the basketball players what yeah one
1: want to one of my best friends is um david stockman who graduated here last year okay he was on the basketball team so he's he's in the bvc program through the school here and and he's in rome um cool he's doing pretty well i talked to him uh a couple of weeks ago last week and um yeah it's it's been a struggle in some ways but he loves he loves the countryside and you know seeing rome and Yeah, He's enjoyed it.
0: Uh, For those of our non-SJU listeners, the BBC is Benedictine Volunteer Corps. It's a chance for students uh, to go abroad and do service all around the world. And I think uh, we got a couple. It's like, uh, I know Israel's got spots, Colombia, Mexico, um, Mm -hmm. Venezuela, Spain. Spain has a couple. Um, Italy, I think there was one.
1: Tanzania, I
0: think. Yeah, there's a couple. Philippines has one. So yeah. they're all over. It's right. really cool experience. I got two friends going now. One's going to Mexico, one's going to Bogota, Colombia. Wow. And they're like dear <laughs> It's kind yeah. of fun to watch them go. Yeah. But I assume it would be challenging to self. Like right. I, I I don't know. I'm a selfish twat. I can't imagine <laughs> sinking myself down and just being like, yeah, I'm one full year, nothing but service. It's a long time, man.
1: But uh-huh. in the, you know, they advertise it. I I went through the the um hiring process (laughs) i guess you would say the the process i ended up deciding i didn't want to do it but um yeah that's what that's kind of how they frame it is like well, look at a year you know if you try to think of it in retrospect like that's you know a 90th of your life or whatever yeah it's, it's it might be worth the development yeah it seems like a long time now for us but
0: no, yeah, it does, yeah. but it's also one of those things like Peace Corps. <clears throat> Everyone, I think, is at least theorized the idea of maybe doing some sort of volunteer service. Yeah. I think it's good for you. I do. I think too. you try go out there, see new stuff. I don't know. I loved. I was in Israel for a while, and I really? that changed my oh, changed everything. Well, I, I came back with a new experience yeah. because I. This is going to sound terrible, but I never experienced violence like that. Yeah. Like I remember, um, I just wrote a piece. That I gave to NPR for an internship. If you know the Gary Eiken internship, I was like, oh yes. yeah, I'll try that out. Yeah. And I wrote a piece about uh, an experience that kind of shaped my way of looking at the world and was... Well, it was. I was standing at a rest stop um, that was also kind of a, a military compound right on the border between Palestine and Israel. And we were fl- going south through the desert and we were just standing out there because everyone had used the facilities. We're about to get back on the bus and I'm standing in my group and I had the smallest group. There's four guys and we stand with our sponsor. His name is Mary Joe, And we're just standing there. We're waiting for everyone to get back to a head count that we're getting on the bus and just all of a sudden you hear zoom, 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 zoom. It sounds like people are just, i I, I don't even know how to describe it. It sounds like a bunch of race cars flying by, oh, but man. very far away. Like yeah. you can hear the air being displaced. Yeah. And... I just hear an oh, you know, a big gasp, and we look up, and there's all these little white marks flying across the sky, and it's like, what the hell's that? And the soldier starts laughing next to me. There's an Israeli soldier, and he just starts laughing. I'm like, <laughs> what the hell are you laughing? Like, are those planes? I'm like, oh no, they're missiles. Yeah. Those are missiles flying across the sky, <laughs> and they're right. going like they're flying across the sky, and they hit about a pinnacle. You know, if you're looking at it like clock or sun, sure, right at 12 o'clock, right up in the middle of the air, and they just burst into little white dust. And you mm. can see, like, the shards of, like, almost glass falling and the pieces of scrap metal falling, wow. almost like little debris, you know, the yeah. shining debris. Yeah, And he's laughing. He's like, they can't touch us. You know, basically, <laughs> that's what I think he was saying. Sure. But... No, I saw that and I just couldn't believe my eyes. Like, I think it was 11 missiles flew across the air. They hit every single one of them down. Mm. And just that idea of they're so practiced living in this world of violence that it's laughable. (laughs) And that just changed everything to me of how I saw that world. Also, I was there when ISIS beheaded people. Like, that first initial video, I was there. And so when we, I didn't see the video. I refused to watch it because I kind of knew what it was going to look like. Yeah. But when I landed, within 48 hours, I was getting calls from, like, my mom or somebody called me. I got to remember that part. I just remember the shock because I flew in on a 777 uh, Boeing big plane. That same make and model disappeared while I was in the air. So they thought it was my plane. Oh, my gosh. Um so I was on this plane, and we had just landed. I think we were on the ground for maybe three hours, which in travel time is nothing when you're right. traveling international. And I, I started getting these like electronic, you know, like emails. Yeah. Like, was that you? Was that you? I'm like, what the hell are you talking about? They're like, a seven 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 just disappeared. They have no yes. idea where it is. Right. It disappeared over the Mediterranean, and it was inbound for Israel or Lebanon or something like that.
1: Oh my god! Are
0: you okay? I'm like, yeah. I'm like. I actually remember my response, and you're going to shake your head because of how sad this is. I was sitting on a Roman centurion toilet, and <laughs> oh no! <laughs> and I was, we were at an old racetrack where um, the Romans set up for like because all the time they had spent trading there, mm-hmm. they sent up this little like area for training, track racing, everything. Yeah. It was right by Herod's palace, and I was sitting on this like open toilet they all just used to sit all together it was like a communal bonding thing like sure. oh yeah Did you have this oh yeah man terrible don't try it you know like all lined up in a row and there's a famous picture from this trip i had with some of my buddies of all of us i think it's like 22 guys sitting on this massive long trough toilet <laughs> i i wish i had a better way of describing it yeah. i wish it could be cleaner but it's not but we're all sitting there and we're all getting texts from our families like was that you was that you on that plane and that kind of shaped everything from there. I think a week after that happened, the beheading occurred in uh, the shores of Egypt. And then two days after that, the missiles. And then we were, I lived in Israel, or in Jerusalem for like a week and a half. And we were there when they were doing military <coughs> patrols. Um, you could walk the street, the soldiers were right there. They always are, but I was never used to that. So when I would go shopping for like milk, for cereal in the morning i would get up i would go down to the corner store get a fresh thing of milk come back and there'd be people running in the streets you know with auto gun you know yeah uzis or whatever they had or whatever they could get their hands on just amazed me it just really you prepare yourself for it but reading or preparing yourself in you know just the facet of your mind i guess. Yeah. And actually experiencing it are two very different things. Right, And I'm still trying to kind of get over what I saw there. Mm-hmm. And I think the craziest part was the poverty difference. Like when I went from Israel and I was living, oh, well, let's say like Galilee. Galilee or Nazareth, beautiful cities. Absolutely stunning. And you drive two hours across the border into Jericho and it's a POS town. It's disgusting. I hated mm-hmm. Jericho. But wow. you think of all these places, like in the Bible, because I grew up reading the Bible through Catholic school. I was like, "This is the powerful city where they marched around the walls seven days in a row, and they all came down. They could barely afford like a subway. Like this <sighs> looks like a terrible like Man. ghetto almost." Yeah, and lo and behold, I also didn't have a great experience because I got bit by a camel there. But long story <laughs> short, <laughs> My God. it was it was a really intense place too, because it's also yeah. the spot where. Um, that section of desert is where Jesus went to be tempted by the devil in the Bible. So it's also a really intense, like, stop on your pilgrimage tours. So it was it was an interesting mix. It was, you're in the ghetto, and you're in a place where uh, the devil has been in theoretical beliefs and right. ca- Catholicism. So it was always very intense. It was interesting, to say the least, Man. but... Uh, no, it was, it was an experience to be in Israel. I loved it. Yeah. I, I, that's why I'm so happy to see these guys go into the Benedictine Volunteer Corps, because yeah. I'm not particularly religious, but I think there's value to having faith. I think there's value to having at least experience to it. I'm not really a practicing Catholic, but um, I, I really do value the fact that I went on a pilgrimage, because I understand Catholics now. Sure. And faith has always been something that's like, oh it gives you a lot of skills and tools of how to deal with life. A lot like yeah. philosophy gives you that balance.
1: Right. So that was your intention of going to Israel. Was there sort of a religious component or was it? was,
0: it, it was marketed as a pilgrimage, okay, but we were pilgrimage. there for like almost a month, I think. And it was just a trip of a lifetime. It was wow. like, you can go there on top of that. Oh, I should say this too. On top of that, my sponsor was very generous because we filled out the tour. It was like 20 people hmm. and they boosted it to 28 because of this woman, Mary Jo, who basically made the price under two thousand for round trip and living, wow. and it was like, you can't pass that up. Right. <laughs> don't don't even think about missing out on this. Right. And I was fortunate enough that both my mom and dad agreed. Yeah, that's that's okay. We'll send him to a war zone. He'll he'll make it. He'll be oh, fine. No, he'll be all right. Yeah, I'll be, be fine. Good for him. Yeah, I, yeah. No, it was. It's definitely <laughs> yeah. uh, definitely been a big part of a lot of stories I tell. I know that I I got arrested four times over there too. What I got detained four times. I think I've told the story on the podcast. I got detained four times, and uh, for a little while, I was writing bits just because I was curious about how people do comedy, like we were talking before the podcast. Yeah, and uh, I was just fascinated by comedy because it's such a weird thing to me that you go up and you try to explain yourself in front of the public. You know, it's this idea of like, I'm going to convince you of my thoughts, which I know are effed up, you know, like I know. So I tried writing bits, and my first bit I actually wrote is a true story about how I got detained four times in Israel because of my <laughs> friend Jonah. And uh, the first time I came to the airport, I had there were two bags that were identical, and one was mine and one was my buddy Lukey's. And I accidentally grabbed Lukey's bag, and I carried it off because I had been up for over 24 hours. I was not myself. I just grabbed the bag, and I met up with where we're supposed to be. Bag got reported missing because of my buddy Jonah. <laughs> Security comes, looks at all the bags, guess who's got it? And he's like, Oh shit. <laughs> I didn't <laughs> think it would be you. Yeah. I get pulled off for like 20 minutes. I say, No, no, I'm on a pilgrimage. And then they let me go back. I'm at the Dead Sea like two and a half weeks later. I'm blowing through this a little quick, but that's You're because good. of time.
1: You're
0: good. I'm at the Dead Sea and me and Jonah look really similar. I'm just a little bit taller than him. And uh, on top of that, we're sophomores, which this story, people always, it's weird. I'm standing in the Dead Sea, and I'm just kind of hanging out, and he is swimming on his face, which is a big no-no, because there's chemicals in there that are in bombs, and you got to wash yourself off right when you get out. The only thing good in the Dead Sea is the mud and the floating. That's about it. Everything else can kill you. Right. So he's swimming on his face, and he's like splashing, splashing, splashing. And one of the lifeguards, who's also a soldier on duty, pulls up with a gun and a megaphone and just goes, de mani, you know, whatever. And they start changing languages. They go to Norwegian and they go to Spanish then they go to Italian. Then they go to Polish because there's a lot of Polish people there. Finally, they hit English. And I'm like, oh, Jonah, I think they're yelling at you. And because I turned and was like, yo, they pulled me out. Because they assumed I was related of some sort. And they thought I was his father for a second. (laughs) So they're like, you got to tell your son. First off, they walk me up this, because it's it's sunken down in a hole. They walk me up the side of this hill into the locker rooms, to the back of the locker room. And in the back of the locker room is an armory. It's just a full-fledged. There's guns on the wall. There's a desk. There's a man that's like out of central casting with a beautiful mustache. And I sit down, and he's like, sir, you got to tell your son not to swim on his face. I'm like, first, he's not my kid. We're the same age. (laughs) And he goes, regardless, you got to tell him no. I'm like, fine. Okay, whatever. I go back down. It happens again. He swims on his face. I get pulled again. I go back up there. This time, I walk in. And he is laughing his ass off at me. Like, oh, daddy issues. Like, oh. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know how to like take this. I ended up talking to him for like half an hour about just living in Israel. And he's like, yeah, I just like live out in the middle. Like, I live right out there. And he's like pointing across the desert. I'm like, just like right over there. And he's like, yeah, like right over there. Tatooine. Yeah. No, I'm like, how do you, what? And he's like, yeah, on the other side of the minefield. I'm like what <laughs> there's an active minefield on both sides of the driveway. When you come into the dead city. he's like, so yeah, like right over there. I'm like, yeah, I got kids. Yeah. Right over there. I'm like, Oh Jesus Christ, dude, oh, you man. can't possibly, this can't possibly be real. <laughs> and then the final oh, time gosh. was the worst time because they let you, if you've got holy water or anything like that, you can fly with it in proper amounts. And, uh, I had three, like, aqua, aqua what is it called, aquafina? Aquafina, yeah. Water bottles. I had one of the Sea of Galilee, one with the Dead Sea water, and one with Jordan water. And I didn't, I knew Jonah had run out of space in his bags. I didn't know he was desperate. So he did the exact same thing with his water bottles, only he put them in my bag without telling me. Oh, man. No. Yeah. Jonah. Getting Ben in trouble since sophomore year. I'm still, year. like, best friends with him. I don't know how. I always ask him, how the hell are we friends? But one of the things the Israeli police do is they find the most beautiful girl in the platoon, and they put her up front because it makes guys flub up their words. I was like, that's evil, first off. <laughs> that's it. First off, yeah, that's god damn it <laughs> right. um, so I'm the last guy to go through because you're going through the check, the checkpoint to go into the airport Yeah, and we all have to practice what we're saying because we all came from Palestine which they're at war with so you got to say something like I'm a pilgrim traveling from Bethlehem to see the birthplace of my lord it was something like that it was very rehearsed everyone said the exact same thing you know it's like a small cult walking down a terminal But uh, I get up there and I'm the last guy and I've got just my backpack. I've already checked my bag. And she's like, do you have anything that you shouldn't be flying with? And I'm like, yeah, I I don't have anything. I'm just Pugero. I just saw where Jesus popped out. Like, I'm here. What's up? (laughs) You know, like, and out of this, like the corner of my eye, as she's starting to like sign off, she's looking at my passports. I see Jonah's head pop around the corner. What do you need? (laughs) Like, I know something's going to happen. And he goes, I just want to tell you I'm a little worried. I'm like, why? Why are you worried? He's like, I don't think I screwed on the lid very tight. I'm like, what lid? Wait, what lid? And all of a sudden, I turn. I'm like, I feel a little like behind my backpack. Funny enough story, the the blue one, that's the actual bag, I think. (laughs) I think that's the actual one. That got wet because of the condensation that he had from moving oh, the bottle so many times from fridge to wherever he was. And he put it in my backpack and there's like condensation at the bottom of the bag. So the bag's like moist. And I'm like, fuck. <laughs> <laughs> what did you do? Yeah. So now I have this two water bottles and she's like, what does he mean? I'm like, "I, you, God, you're pretty. Um. <laughs> yeah, right. So now I get pulled off to the side and like, do you have like water bottles? I'm like, yeah, I I thought I had three, but now I have six and they're like, what kind of idiot are we dealing with? So they walk me back and they have my bag that I checked. They pulled it. I'm in like just behind the counter. So I'm in this, I don't want to say like a dark room, but it's like this big, like as big as the dorm. And I'm just sitting at the table and they're like, why are you here? And I'm like, I'm a pilgrim. (laughs) What are you doing? I'm here to see where Jesus was like, oh, I think I said something horrible. I was like, I'm here to see where Jesus made. Like, I just, I could not keep my sense about me, like in my wits. And finally, after like half an hour, 45 minutes, they let me go. And I still have all six water bottles. Somehow I still have all six. I have my bag and I just walk straight through the gate. They check my ticket, I get on the plane, I'm out. Like just yeah. like that. Yeah. I didn't have to wait with Jonah. I didn't have to yell at him. I didn't have to do anything. He sat like 16 rows ahead of me on the plane. Oh, I was that was the longest stretch I went without. It was nice. It was a nice moment. <laughs> no, but he's like one yeah. of my best friends to this day. Right. I still I still love the kid. He's somehow he mellowed out quite a bit. I think I got closer to him on that trip actually. Yeah. But no, yeah, there was always a story happening in Israel. There was something terrible when i told that story up in stage it was like okay but the best laugh i ever got i was in prison <laughs> and i told that story i told it at a juvenile detention center that's amazing and uh they thought that was pretty good of course i went a little bit harder on the language as i usually do sure
1: you gotta get the you gotta get the people going You
0: gotta get the blood pumping right yeah, I think you could do that. I think you could just throw a couple f words in there. I think you could call people a raging. <laughs> I've thought about it. Yeah, you I thought like about comedy. it. Uh, yeah. <laughs> you would actually be pretty funny. I think. I think you should <laughs> just you. walk up there deadpan. I think you should walk up there. My name's Will.
1: <laughs> well, I do it with my friends. I do oh, impressions yeah. of my friends, and they like. Oh that. God, no. So, uh, yeah.
0: I think oh, I'm trying to think. Impressions are like the most basic forms. Of the most impressive comedy to me. Like, <laughs> if you're able to do yeah. a good impression, oh my god, there's nothing more fulfilling than just <laughs> nailing a bitch. Just crushing him out of the park. Right, right. I, used to, I used to walk up whenever I had... I gotta explain this a little bit. I had a very good friend of mine who very much liked leopard print things. Mm. And whenever I saw him... I'm skeptical. <laughs> he, yeah, <laughs> this is... Fun guy. <laughs> Definitely president of the Cool Guy Club. Um, yes. But he wore leopard print once in a great while. Whenever I'd see it, I'd be like, oi, crocky. And I'd walk, <laughs> I'd get really low and I'd like hike my pants up. Sure. Enough to so like see my thighs. And I'd be like walking like a crab, <laughs> slinking up That's towards great. them. they would like, no, this is a big one, eh? Ah, <laughs> I haven't seen one like this for ages. Hey, just- right. What's he up to here? <laughs> What's this one dude? I think that's the biggest job jealousy I've ever gotten. is Steve Irwin. Sure. Oh my god. Yeah. That was what the a dude. Best job ever.
1: He knew but, how to have fun. Oh, dude. Yeah.
0: Great guy. Great guy. I'm like looking over here because I feel like I've gone on a tangent. This is what happens to me. We go on tangents for a while, that's all right. and then that's what happens. It's like, can you ever get off topic? Yeah, that's the best fucking thing that can happen. Right. But I think, oh, do this. See, this is what happens to me. I get lost for a second. Good. Oh, oh my god! Have you what? Have you ever been abroad? I've got to ask you now that I've actually no. said it. I will. You I will, will eventually. At some point. Yeah. Where's yeah. like the spot you'd like to go?
1: Probably Europe.
0: It's just anywhere just there
1: in Europe. I I look up to what my dad did. He he graduated college and um, he went to Creighton University.
0: Is that the one in Nebraska? It's in. Or Omaha?
1: Yes, it's in Omaha. Okay. Yep.
0: Okay. I got yes. friends down there.
1: Nice. Yeah. Yeah. So he went there and then I think it was a year after or a year or two after he he met up with a coworker. He said he told me, but for most of it he was on his own and he just he flew to Europe and took the train system around, saw like eight different countries or whatever. And Damn. just was there for about a month and then he came back and he you know, he knew he wanted to see the world a bit. So
0: that would freak me out to go without like not have any idea. Like I get yeah. scared of the idea like when I think back to when I was a kid mm-hmm. and that ability to run out barefoot with no wallet, no social security number, no phone, <laughs> right. no, you know, no phone, nothing. You just go. Just yeah. go and run. Right. Like I can't even think about that, but in a foreign I country, I get the same feeling. Yeah. I get that same feeling of like this is <laughs> this ain't going to end well for right. me, is it? Am I even going to get on the right train?
1: Oh. I would I would be wanting to get on the wrong train. <laughs>
0: have you ever heard of ryan airlines no that's that's the the ultimate terror of me of why i really am. i would like to go to europe but at the same time a part of me wants to fly on ryan airlines and a part of me doesn't they're called like the airbus of the sky but it's not the nice airbus it's the the broken down sure been in the shop twice in the last month yes gotta pay to use the facilities kind of airbus like oh man you're in trouble (laughs) jeez I've always loved that backwards side of Europe to me, yeah. that uh, that ease of connection. But right. I don't know what's going on with this Brexit thing either. I've got to figure that out, that they're leaving European Union. I don't know what exactly what that means. I've got to figure that out. we got to get a British student in here, tell yeah. me what's going on. But I don't want to be called a wanker five times in three sentences, you know? <laughs> You don't. Have, well, <laughs> yeah. well. I mean, you have the privilege because I'm sure you could get away with it. If you yelled somebody, call them a wanker across campus. I think you could pull it off.
1: I have a friend who likes to say that. Oh it's God, in passing. I, yeah,
0: that that is the way to speak. What is the other one? A ninny. You're such a ninny. A ninny. I was talking to my friend. So to, belittling. Yeah, yeah. Belittle the person. Get down. Get in the dirt. Call them yeah. something with a very regal accent. Sure. That's how you live your life. <laughs> No, I was talking about catcalls the other day with some of my friends at the lunch table because mm-hmm. I get on these tangents where I think, what would happen if instead of like, you know, hey, girl, you look good. You just yeah. be like, hey, I bet you financially stable. <laughs> right. What if you just complimented people all the time? Yeah. What type of society would that be? Makes me think.
1: There's only one way to find out. <laughs> I'm not opposed to it.
0: You're not. Oh, God. I yelled that across campus at CSB and a lot of people looked and I, it was not a good look. It was like the I just butchered the family like cow in front of my kids <laughs> kind of look. Like, oh, man. did you really just say that?
1: It's probably no. it's probably good. Yeah, probably good for the school. Mix it up a bit. Yeah,
0: I wonder though. Like, it is. There are some times where I look at the school and I wonder what is kind of the unrest underneath it. Like, I think of just I don't know exactly how to say it. Like, I see a lot of these classes and I'm thinking. What exactly is kind of the undercurrent that's going on? Because it feels like every school's got a different one, and I'm curious to see what you think about the idea of two different schools. I don't know. Can, I'm trying to think about a better say
1: this. Like because between I've, St. John's and St. Baptist. Yeah, there's like this weird. Or something.
0: There's this weird difference between them two, mm-hmm. even though they're basically the same.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think they're pretty different actually, and that's might be what, might be what you're catching on to i mean just the the sex difference is huge i think in all all guys school versus an all all girls school even though our classes are co-ed of course yeah um it's uh i think it does make a make a big difference that it's just guys who stay here you know overnight theoretically yeah and just girls over there you know (laughs) (laughs)
0: <laughs> but uh um, that's spoken like a charore eh? um <laughs> right well
1: i don't know i think there is something to that i was i was talking to father renee recently about this he brought yeah. it up i go to um popcorn philosophy which oh, is a little group. i went there once because you? you told me to yeah, yeah i yeah. went there
0: and you were like you should try it i was right. like Okay, I, yeah. I sat next to I think it's Professor John, the one who's really built. John Houston. Houston. That's what I was saying before. And he could not get the popcorn into his mouth. He was just like Ugh, and just like trying to get it in and at the same time he was talking about sadness. <laughs> <laughs> and I, he's <laughs> I lose my shit whenever I hear dramatic things, yeah. so I start laughing. And he's yeah.
1: like Ugh. <laughs> <laughs> I uh... <laughs> I love Doctor House.
0: He's so good. He's an absolute gem yep. of a human being. He is. But- <laughs> You're fine. Yeah.
1: Well, I think that some there's um there's really something to the the sex difference and the possibility of brotherhood and sisterhood, respectfully, between the schools. And I, I think that it's present in us whether we admit it or not, or acknowledge it or not, or even know about it. Mm-hmm. Um. And it's so often thought or, or the idea is so often put forward that men and women are the same. That's sort of the underlying assumption yeah. and that there's not different dynamics going on in the classes, and I just think that's not true. And I, 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 um, I guess I hinted at that in our class. If you remember when I wrote on the board um, in our freedom of speech class, we were talking about ethics and you know, how ought we live. Which is what the professor was oh, saying. Yeah. I wrote aspiring to manhood and womanhood, and I think there is something important about the difference. Yeah, and the idea that um, men and women can, of course, both embody excellence, but they do so differently. And I don't know how, but it seems to me that that's the case. And so, if we don't acknowledge that, like my she she, <laughs> our, our professor picked it out right away.
0: Yeah, she did. I kind of remember that. Yeah, I remember. And, I remember uh, being surprised by seeing that actually. I, I yeah. don't remember exactly what I was thinking. I do remember seeing that and being like, "Oh, that's an interesting one."
1: Well, she she wanted to get rid of the the gender component, and yeah. and I'm like, "Well, you're losing you're losing the whole point." But
0: I talked to I actually
1: talked to Doctor. House after it because we we uh, we sort of vent to each other sometimes, and he was. Like, that's what
0: I get a feeling. A lot of you philosophy guys really can do well. <laughs> I, I get that you guys, because I I think he was studying like medieval era. Mm-hmm. That's one philosophy. of our specialties. Yeah. And yeah. it's just trauma. And I just, like, how does he live without yeah. just, like, sowing the seeds of sadness?
1: Yeah. You really got to watch yourself, you know, yeah. and make sure you're not too much in your own head. But, yeah, I, I talked to him. Excuse me. I talked to him afterwards. And because um, our, our professor suggested personhood be written and said. So aspiring to personhood. And I mm. liked his response. He's like, personhood? He's like, that's on the house. <laughs> We we find ourselves as people. Yeah, there's nothing honorific about finding yourself as a as a being in the world. It's yeah. what you do with it, you know. And yeah. it's like I, I do think there's something honorific to being a man and being a woman.
0: Yeah, you know, definitely in a society too when so. you're called upon to, to be a man or be a woman and yeah. kind of fill this uh, void that we need.
1: And it's this. This is one of my pet peeves, man. Is the the term toxic masculinity. <laughs> I, oh, the, the I remember
0: way, this with you. Yes. Well, yes, the way that it's it. the
1: way that it's used is um is pervasive. It's not it's not helpful. Um so, you know, someone will observe it's like the common thing to do now is to observe a tendency among men and say, "Oh, that's toxic masculinity." Hmm. It's like well, masculinity itself isn't toxic. It's it, it, it you're you're observing just because a man is um displaying a behavior that is toxic it doesn't mean that masculinity itself is toxic and that is an important distinction that we seem to have just disregarded like oh well there goes that man again you know being part of himself because the implication of toxic masculinity is oh because you're a man you can fall into this yeah and it's like well yes (laughs) maybe but also it's not the right way to think about it Mm -hmm. you know I think masculinity in itself has its pitfalls, just like femininity. But you never, you never hear toxic femininity. No. Like what is what? What would that be? You know, I I just don't think it's a helpful way to th- to to uh, to think about the problems that men are facing.
0: No, I can totally see what you're saying. Yeah. I I have always been curious too about like um. Oh my gosh! All of a sudden, the word dips out of me. Mm-hmm. I've just read the book. What the hell? Yeah. No, we're, when we're talking about equality, especially in society, and about the toxic masculinity and how yeah. much well, what people is get equality? put, yeah, you That's get <laughs> well, and yeah, we all get put under this microscope oh. and then told we're equal, and yet oh. everyone's being judged at different rates. To me, I don't know. Right, it is a confusing time to be alive. It is oh. the best time to be alive, but it's confusing nonetheless. Especially because I, I know I bring this up every podcast, but I, I'm always interested because I'm. Mm-hmm. We're calm majors yeah and you know how when you're a nursing you you studied the worst disease you can pull it out of a hat like nothing. You right. always know how to study that. You mm-hmm. always know what the symptoms are because it's the craziest possible thing that can happen. Yeah I think we're living in that right now. For com majors is tribal thinking or this cult-like thinking oh. where everyone kind of comes together so fast And I bring it up all the time on this podcast because it really is fascinating to
1: me. I hear you man.
0: But I think it's something that, I don't know. I don't think people have individual voice anymore. And oh. as a comm major, it really scares me. And yep. <laughs> you're like, okay. I feel like I'm. I'm I, I need to stop and hear what you have to say because you're shaking your head like I got something for you. Bang. Oh
1: no! I just I I, I share this view with you. I mean, it's yeah. another another Houston quote that is stuck with me is. Um, a lot of times, what you observe today is uh, like pulling the string on a doll. Yes. Like you watch people when you ask for their opinion, and they're like, "Oh, this." I thought yeah. of this before. I someone said this to me, and they were respect, you know, respectable. So I'm just going to repeat exactly what they said. I've given it no thought of my own. I haven't embraced my agency as an individual at all. Just, I'm just going to repeat yeah.
0: it. It's you like know, it's funny you say that. Machine. Yeah, because Father Rene of all people, yeah. the one time I met him, he was giving me shit because I gave him shit, and he <laughs> likes to give it back and forth. It's fun. Yeah. I like him a lot. He's a good man. But He's a good man. But I. Uh, I basically just said I was having a really hard time with um, starting out journalism and being like, you know, what am I interested in when I bring people in? What do I talk about? Blah, blah, blah. And he said, one thing's for certain. If they're not saying what they think, don't publish it. Yep. If they're not saying what they truly have discovered or found, then don't say it and don't bring it up. You have platforms, you have places. And he said, most importantly, make sure you never fall into that. And that's why I have to constantly remind myself. One of the topics I was going to bring up to you, I won't yet, but is constantly staying humble. You find yourself getting really proud and then all of a sudden you start acting like you're an expert in everything. And I yeah. got into that this week and got humbled quick. Yeah. But you
1: really got to watch out for that. Yeah. And, you know, and keep, keep the words. Um, I don't know. Close. Yeah. Know, in the back pocket.
0: No, but it yeah. is crazy to see, especially the way people are moving now. And it's especially our age too. I'm a little bit surprised too how easily people can be manipulated.
1: Oh my gosh,
0: it's terrifying, actually.
1: It's very, very scary. <sighs> well, just the the opinions of some of the professors that are put forward, or the opinions from our texts. You know, it's not all. It's not all on the professors. Anyone, anyone in the classroom setting. There's such a tendency now to just go along with it, like we were talking yeah. about. It's like have you have you thought about this at all like doesn't it scare you a little bit if you're able to take a step back and look that um you know observe the class and see that you know 25 out of the 30 students are completely on board and already quoting the theory to look good to a professor or in relation to the text it's like do you do you think this is true
0: well it's also strange (laughs) because it's like necessity to learn you you have to learn it that way in order to pass the class
1: that is a problem and that is a problem that
0: always was really i don't know i've I've struggled in classes before because I asked questions that I just never would get the answer to yep. I, I I'm not trying to put it out on an island, but religion was a big one yeah because if i didn't ask you know if I asked a question that challenged religion mm-hmm. and I didn't get an answer I, yeah. I I was seen I was put a peg down, let's say because mm. I'm generally curious about why people believe what they believe yeah. And I think that's starting to leak over. It's understandable in religion. When somebody doesn't know the answer, it's like it's faith. You just got to blindly go on it. And that's Mm -hmm. a beautiful thing in my opinion. But that's starting to leak over into my field with communication and journalism. Yep. I think it's going into poli heavy where it's becoming more faith-based than it is becoming factual-based. This is the only time where I've met people, and I'm not a political person. Mm -hmm. I don't like to bring politics up. Sure. But this is the first time I've ever started to invite people onto the podcast and be like, "Okay, and then what what political side do you usually go with? Are you left, right, mm-hmm. Democrat, conservative?" Yeah. And they'll be like, "Oh, I'm not I'm not a Democrat. I'm on the left though. I'm not a classic Democrat." Or I'm not a, I'm not a conservative, but I'm not a classical conservative. I'm more liberal like mm-hmm. the variation. Like I understand that you fall somewhere on a meter yeah. and you can fall anywhere on this plane. Sure. But the fact that there's so much disagreement between a classical Democrat and what we would now call the left Democrats, it's it's almost like a totally different world from the 90s to where it was now, because that's mm-hmm. when I last see a lot of fundamental basis in your political beliefs were formed in the 90s, because then you had the conservative period. So the liberals sure. really draw off of that period. I don't know. It's It really is interesting to me because it's like a totem pole. If you're not... This liberal or if you're not this conservative mm-hmm. Say you're a level 2 and you're talking to a level 10 Well, that ten's not going to recognize you because you're not as liberal as them That's yeah. that's crazy to me to think about that even within one party a group of people that have in general Similar morals not exact mm-hmm. but similar mm-hmm. have such a hard time uniting
1: Yeah, I mean we I watched a few clips of the um, the democratic debate from a few nights ago Mm -hmm. i don't know if you did you see that at all no i was not able to yeah yeah i watched a few clips of it i I didn't watch it live but um it was just like the the state of politics on both sides as you know as is commonly said but we don't know how to have discussions anymore it's it's not it's not clear there's no um there's no acknowledgement of a starting ground or things that we should agree on it's just character bashing and um straw man arguments and it's um if we hold i think and jordan Jordan peterson sort of opened me up to a lot of this if we hold ourselves accountable for all the or if if we if we hold other people accountable for the evil within them you're 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 treading into dangerous waters because we all need to acknowledge that we have a capacity for evil Mm -hmm. and um i think that's where a lot of the problems on the left start I would say. Yeah. Um and um the right has its own faults as far as I can tell, but that is really a problem for the left, I would say, because the 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 um it seems like the usual blame or the typical blame goes right to a system. And uh I think Evil lies within the individual to making the decisions that impact mm-hmm. the system. So there's a there's a deeper level of analysis that has to be reached, and it's um, I think it it would be more common for a person on the left to to say um, or some of the, some of the more progressive extremes I would say uh, to say like oh how like how could a person ever do that like no one in their right mind would ever do yeah. that it's like well we're not as rational as as you think that would be no. my claim we, d- we don't act that way at least
0: there's still so, this weird animal side to us yeah like we're still well we are animals, animals. <laughs> yeah
1: yeah and and um i just think that's really an important thing to realize because there's sort there's sort of a we have the privilege at school of being able to oh well, i'm at college like i these other people here you know this mm. this this group mindset of like well you know these people are impacting the system this way and you know they're doing this. It's like, well, you're probably a part of it in a way that you don't know. There's the idea um, in uh, Dostoevsky's The Brother Car- the Brothers Karamazov, which is might have been the book that I was telling you about before, actually. Probably. But you, um, were,
0: you were eager. Yeah. To read that, I was like, this is a different cat. This yeah. is somebody different. Okay.
1: <laughs> well, there's the idea in there that actually we're responsible for everything in the world. You know. And uh, there's no way for you not to be connected to the happenings of the world in some way. Mm-hmm. And so really it's on us to make a change for the good. And I think if we're breaking it down and looking too narrowly at um, the systems and just looking at the pieces, you sort of miss the whole, the whole picture and how you can make a difference. So I, I'm, I'm not into blaming certain groups of people arbitrarily for um the problems of a society you know i think we all have a part to play and if the society is faltering we probably have something to do with it
0: Mm -hmm.
1: so it's kind of abstract and off the cuff but
0: no no that's why i wanted to get you in here because it's always it's always interested me because i have such a hard time picturing all of this at once and you are very good about picturing kind of the full idea or where we could go and it's nice to be able to have people leading into like, can you paint a picture for me? Can you, can you help <laughs> yeah. me out here? I
1: try, I don't know. Yeah,
0: no, because yeah. the only one I've ever thought of is, well, the, one of my favorites is the idea of with this tension of everyone breaking apart. I know this is going a little different direction, but everyone sure. going breaking apart, it's kind of like going to the gym. It's you're tearing the muscle. And hopefully at some point we're all going to heal and kind of come back together. Mm-hmm. But at the same part, We're starting to go off and look at different pieces so much that we're not seeing the whole thing. And I think that's a better image than the muscle Mm -hmm. because I don't know if we're all going to come back together, honestly.
1: Well, this is is sort of my problem with um, uh, defining people and assigning value, more importantly, based on group identity because it's like uh, what is it that you're citing or what is it that you're thinking of that deems... For example, um, sexuality more important than ethnicity or ethnicity more important than sexuality or that sort of thing. Those seem to be the common ways of defining people now. It's like, oh, well, what, you know, well, what class are you in economically? What, um, you know, what color is your skin and uh, what sort of people do you find attractive? It's like, well, there's an infinite number of ways to categorize people. Why are those so important?
0: Yeah. That's interesting, you know, it? yeah, it's
1: not so obvious, and that's why I think this is sort of where faith comes in for me, but I think we're all um unrepeatable selves, and so there's something unique beyond any sort of categorical description of um, aesthetic or like you know the way we look or what you know what color we find ourselves. And that transcends any sort of description. So I don't like thinking about, like, oh, you know, that we have this group of white people who are straight or this, you know, this group of Latino people who are gay or black people who are whatever. It's like, okay, we, we don't know anything about them, really,
0: mm-hmm. you know. Yeah.
1: So I just don't like – I don't like looking at the world that way. I don't think it's helpful, and I think it's actually demeaning to um, the importance of the groups. Because I'm not saying that, oh, like – White people have no value. Black people have no value. <laughs> or like black in itself. You know, that's something I've thought about. Or white in itself. But um, there's so much more to us than that. And if we look at people that shallowly, I, I th- it's, it's not helpful. It doesn't move the conversation forward. Because we haven't gotten to know them. Like, that's one thing I think about. Like, notice the ways that we define the people or we describe or categorize people has nothing to do with their choice. And this is a lot of times um, something that's done by the more extremes on the progressive side. It's like, well, we have these poor people who are um, colored, say they're African-American, and um, some of them are gay. And they're the most vulnerable community. It's like, well, they might not be able to control really any of those three things. They're born into a, a tough financial situation. They find themselves black and they can't control who they're attracted to. It's like, why are we judging them, or why are we basing their value on something they can't control? It just mm. seems so counterintuitive. Yeah. Like, we haven't gotten to know them well enough. So I, uh, I'm i just not a fan of that sort of talking point, and we went through that a lot of in um, Freedom of Speech, and that <laughs> just drove me nuts every day. And I tried to fight the professor on it a little bit. But, yeah. Um, the well, cl- yeah. The class was always so quiet, too. I just wanted other people no. to speak up. But no, But nobody really yeah. said anything.
0: So. The thing I think... What has interested me a lot, especially when you're saying things like class got to speak up," I don't think many people know how to. I certainly don't. I certainly don't know how to argue. I realize from Mm -hmm. working with sports and things like that, I am far from ready for a debate. Well, that's the problem
1: is I don't think we even should start with arguing. Yeah. But the classes are framed that way. Like who disagrees with this person? It's like, Uh, well, why start there? How about what do you think about that? You know Makes that's sense. just not commonly put forward. It's like, well, who agrees? Who disagrees? It's like, well, how about we try to make something of it or think about it before we, oh, well, I disagree uh, with that point. You know, where's this side said something? Well, where's the other side? Raise your hands. Like, would you know? It's like, yeah, well, That's not helpful. It doesn't move anything forward. Yeah. So I think that can happen down the road because we are going to run into disagreements. But the the common it, it's it's so commonly put forward to, you know, it's like, oh. This person said this. Well, we have to find some counter evidence right away. Like, yeah, let's think about these things.
0: Yeah, just kind of let Go the ahead. thoughts yeah. sit out there. No, I'm, yeah. I'm just going to say that's an interesting way of looking at. It. I don't think yeah. I've ever been in a class that where you just raise your hand and be like, "Yeah, I agree." I don't know why, but that just feels right for a second, mm-hmm. and just let that thought sit. Yeah, and take your time with it. One of my favorite interviews I ever had was, I I don't want to like publish it or give it away because i've right. edited it quite a bit but he sat and he basically i was talking about this guy about technology yeah and he took long pauses like 34 35 36 seconds and i was like this is going to be this you now you're telling me like this is valuable to you because you're willing to put your time into it right and i'm happy to see that sometimes there are professors that are like i'll give you a chance to think about it but i guess mm-hmm. in those classes like the one we were in yeah we didn't get any time really and if we did, it was in groups. And when you have groups working together, mm-hmm. everyone feels inclined like they have to say something rather than, can I just sit and think about this for a minute? Yeah. But. I agree. Yeah. No, it is interesting with education, the variety you get. Because w- it was not like that when I was at Superior. It's a better here. But even here, I can feel the rush. I can feel this pressure to be a certain way. Yeah. So, no, that's a very interesting thought you brought up yeah
1: i mean i just had a different expectation coming into school because i i know you shared before you went to catholic school when you were little yeah i was i went
0: all the way through high school
1: wonderful wow yeah yeah i I went until sixth grade and then i've been in the public system until i came to college but i was just expecting that um catholic views would be incorporated into classes more or just Mm. mentioned as a possibility or or the church's stance on some of the issues um and the absence of that, I think, really detracts from people's education, because That's we funny to me. we claim awesome. to be a Catholic school. That's how we're advertised. Yep. Um, I mean, we have a monastery that started the school here, right? Um, but if you go into a classroom, you would have no idea at either school. And it's like, no. well, we can, you know, if we're going to claim to be a Catholic school, then we should be one, so that people know what they're getting into here. I mean, I, I. Um, I feel like more or less I've gone to a public school for at least the last couple of years. Yeah. Probably for this most has of a the lot time. of
0: elements. It is a public school. It's just got. Yeah, it's got monks that live here with us. That's right, a, that's about it. Because it is a liberal arts school, isn't it? Right, yeah. it
1: is. It is a liberal arts school, but there's. I think we're missing a lot of the depth and beauty of Catholic teaching that could just be introduced as, you know, this is part of the class, and because you've you've chosen to come to a Catholic school. We want to inform you on the churches you on this, if it's relevant, mm-hmm. you know, but that's so, it's so absent. Yeah. And I think no. that it, it's, yeah. um, it'd be so helpful for students to have that perspective. But
0: It's funny you say that. Cause I, I, I felt coming in, there wasn't going to be any, but I came from my high school, St. Agnes high school in St. Paul. I don't know if you know it.
1: My, I have some cousins that go there. Yeah. Actually. yeah. Really? Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah.
0: I graduated from St. Agnes. Cool. And it's, heavy conservative traditionalist pre-vatican one uh masses everything like that everything's in latin Mm. every other mass is in latin so it was kind of interesting to me coming in to saint john's because i had heard things about oh they're not as catholic as us or they're all this but we got drilled i mean drilled it actually would turn me off a lot of times to talk about faith even though it's something fascinating to me right it's because they wouldn't answer a lot of questions here at least with the monks, I can go and find those questions, and you can attack it that way. Yeah. Attack's not the great word, but right. go and actually ask them. But yeah, I understand what you're saying, coming from a public school and being like it's St. John's. Yeah, but yet I feel like I'm in St. Joe. I don't really right. feel it the same way. Yeah,
1: I mean that's I sort of have a similar arc to my story because I, you know, I came from Catholic school, like I said, thought it was overbearing. Um, thought a lot of important questions weren't really answered. I mean. When I was little, I, I didn't like. I wasn't able to think like I am now. Of course, we're all we're all very young, but I do. Remember I would
0: appreciate it if you were just like all the way through. It's always on the gas pedal. No, I'm always man. this way. <laughs> no. I've always been this way.
1: That's no way to live. Live gotta, heart, die hard, die hard. You got to relax. No, you got to <laughs> relax, and you know you can't take yourself too seriously. It just gets, you know, it just gets stupid. But I do remember like one thing. This might have been sort of the dawn of like deeper thinking for me. I was in like fourth grade. I don't know the grade. <laughs> but I am I was in the pew and we were listening to a homily and um, the priest was talking about God's call for us and God's plan. Yeah, And I, I didn't understand the notion of free will. I still don't, but I think we have it. I think we have to. But anyways, um, I'm sitting in the pew and I'm thinking about this and I'm like, So God has a predestined plan in my mind. I don't know how that that would translate to the mind of a fourth grader, but I'm like, man, like, so I don't have a choice of what will happen to me. That's sort of how I was thinking about it. And I'm like, and then the priest, I was listening again, the priest was saying, you'll find, like, as you grow, that what you want to do and what God wants to do start to converge. And I'm just like, is that possible? If I don't have a choice? (laughs) Like, that was like, and I just like, it faded. You know, I like enjoyed yeah. the rest of the mass or whatever. But I, I, I came back to me a couple of years ago. I'm like, I was thinking about this when I was little. <laughs> I just remember having the moment in this pew. Like I could go back to about where it was. I remember yeah. where I was in the church. And I'm like, man. Like, I don't know. It's just-
0: that stuff is scary. When yeah. you you can look back and you'd be like, there are elements of who I am right now. Yeah. That just for a brisk moment. Yep. It hits you. Right. And I have a letter I wrote to myself when I was a freshman in high school on my first day. I still have it because I predicted basically the type of Mm -hmm. character I would be in eight years time. Yeah. And I'm definitely, I'm not, not a fortune teller. I ain't that brilliant, but just something within us. Right. Somehow has an instinct to know where we're going to be. Yeah. But yeah, I can see fourth graders sitting in there hearing about vocational destinations. Right, and exactly. Like, oh, okay. Yeah. Then.
1: But there is sort of a there's sort of a trajectory to our lives, you know. There's yeah. something it's it's indescribable it seems like. You you know, you have an idea of where you're going most of the time if you're able to be honest with yourself and you really, you know, can kinda of get underneath yourself and the the personalities you, you put on to get through your day, you know. Which yeah. is so common.
0: But. Just going off the personalities, I kinda wanna float a question. It's gonna sure. sound very large scaling, but take okay. it however you want. Sure. I like to ask very thoughtful people this all the time of is I gotta make sure I uh, say this basically right. Is there like a true happiness, that balance and being successful? Yeah, that mic's a little wobbly, oh, okay. so this however you need to move it. This is good. But just the idea of pure truth as being true happiness. Do you have any thoughts on that? Just
1: Truth or happiness are both.
0: Just within your life, do you think there is truth to your life? Do you think there is pure happiness? where, mm-hmm. Or do you think that living your true meaning involves happiness? I guess that's a better way of kind of combining the two.
1: Sure. Um, I do think there is truth in our lives. And I think there is happiness in a lesser form. Um, I don't know if we can truly be happy in this life to the to the full extent of the word Mm -hmm. um there's the the prospect in the you know judeo-judeo-christian teaching that you're um you're happy when you're with god right so when we when we pass away if we go to heaven um that's where we'll find true happiness and be, be in paradise. But in this life, um, I think we can get pretty close, you, <laughs> you do. know? Yeah. And I do think there is truth through our lives. If that, was, if that was what you were after.
0: Yeah. I just always like to float that idea of truth because everyone, mm-hmm. I think of it kind of like clay, whenever I just throw it out there, mm-hmm. even with no context, people always make something of it. And it's yeah. kind of interesting because it's always something different depending on where I go. So yeah. I try to bring it up once in a while with a philosopher because it it seems to be this weird piece where every philosopher has thought about it and ended somewhere different Yet yeah. they all have a concurring belief on it somehow. Sure. I don't know, like an undertone.
1: Yeah. I mean, it's such a, like I, I can't wrap my head around it, but I think it's, um, it's what I live for at this point is, is finding the truth. And, uh, and seeking to live and speak truthfully because i think you're more that way you're more aligned with reality and being more aligned with reality leads to more authentic experiences and i think happiness is in authentic experiences you know yeah it's just sort of your your soul laid bare to the world around you and you're encountering things in their in their full capacity and you're you're engaging with the world in as real a way as possible and I think there's truth in that as abstract as it is but there has to be truth like in a literal sense like in an in, in objective truth you know there's things yeah. that either can exist or, or don't which yeah. is a great place to start for um, that's really where we start in philosophy like there has to be things that are true otherwise we're all wasting our time and we're, we're <laughs> yeah. the stereotype you know of you know the thoughtful person that's poor
0: for and their no. whole life but, <laughs> No, it's so good to get that reminder once in a while Mm because I hear, that's not true. This is true. Mm -hmm. That's not true. Right. There is objective truths. Yeah. But. There have to be. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah, no, I I never would have made it as a philosophy guy. I couldn't do all the reading. (laughs) But (laughs) it looks like a great time. It's not so bad. I'm
1: not as involved as probably you think I am. I mean, I I do it as a minor. It's just what I, it's just, I'm still exploring it. I don't know. It's, um it's a place that's different than the rest of academia in my experience. So
0: really Mm -hmm. it's just kind of people. Yeah. You always think of people with long beards just kind of thinking.
1: (laughs) Right. Well, I mean, you can, it goes back to like you, um, you're, you're told that you're wrong if you are, Mm -hmm. you know, that's not an uncommon thing to say. Like, I don't think you're thinking about that. Right. And even as simple as that, something as simple as that I find so valuable that I just like, I don't see it in other classes. And if we're not, um, for not being honest with each other about our opinions, it's like, how, well, how valuable is the class? Like we're, yeah. we're, we're, uh, we're moving blind.
0: <laughs> no. Yeah. So well, that kind of reminds me of one of the questions I really hammered with the professor of our class. Mm-hmm. Do opinions matter? Honestly, I have a hard time believing they do, mm-hmm. especially yeah. now. And kind of builds off of that is none of us can be wrong. None of us can be really be right. And I know opinions are just objective, right? But that idea of kind of playing conversation off of opinion to try to find a deeper meaning, it just... Yeah.
1: Well, I think people can be wrong and right. I you really? Say. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think we, we miss the mark all the time, but I think people can be right about things. I'm
0: sorry. There's, something, there's a wire caught on my computer okay. there. Yeah. No, but yeah, I think that's... No, but yeah, I shouldn't say that.
1: Mm-hmm yeah we're often I would say wrong <laughs> more than we more than we're right, and um there's there's sort of a a saying that that we just brought up the other day in Dr. Houston's class, you know you have to you have to be the fool before you can be the master, yeah' and it's sort of that's you true. Know, cliche as it sounds. it's like, well, what is a master? It's someone that understands their craft and is engaged with it over a long period of time. They know something more than other people do and at that point they're um they i guess you could say hold more hold more truth on the matter than someone else you know they're they're going to be more right about the topic but i don't know that's one way of thinking about it but i do think we can be right and wrong
0: yeah you know it seems like factually i think of always factual Mm -hmm. but when you reach out and you're just like trying to make sense of everything yeah people tend to take it almost as a joke you're like you know i've really sat and thought about this for a while it's like Mm -hmm. yeah but i haven't and i don't want to be on that length of being trapped in that idea that you've spent the time working with
1: right yeah and that's where that's where i think it gets um misframed a lot of the time is it's like Just the philosophy, the the philosophical life in general. It's like, oh, you know, a lot of lot of nights of drinking and beard stroking and, you know, pondering and internal sadness and angst. And you know, maybe you'll find the light of day by the morning. Like it's just like, it's just like, oh man. And you can fall into that, but the um, really, we all have to be philosophers. It's just a matter of uh, how good we are at it. Yeah, you know at some point you have to face yourself and say what do I want to do and then maybe you think of something and it's like well why is that better than anything else you know it's as simple as that like anytime anytime something gets too abstract of like well why you know why would you or like the my my notion of philosophy when I think of it is is like what I was describing like oh yeah. like it's <laughs> it's like well I don't want to be that it's like that's not me you know but but it's everyone really has to do it whether they realize it or not and you can you know we can call it whatever we want but what it is is facing yourself and using your rationality to think about where you are in relation to the rest of the world and we all have to do it yeah you know to make decisions so. yeah that's um you can go way too far into this and that's why it's just my minor (laughs) like i was saying like like i was saying if i were to if i were to start again i might major in it but i'd have to double major because i already get way too far in my own head and that breeds its own insecurities so
0: no this is the podcast where i wish i filmed them because everyone would be able to say, I'm just tipping my head back like, oh, my God. <laughs> like, no wonder I feel like mush right now. I'm just like, oh, my God, I'm being overloaded. My thoughts this <laughs> is brilliant. It's absolutely brilliant. <laughs> no nah, man. No, just... I, can, I can definitely see how you can go down the rabbit hole and how. Right. It was interesting to me to talk to John, especially in his study on trauma. And I was like, that has got to be interesting when you go down that rabbit hole, how far mm-hmm. you can slide. And yeah. I'm sure the opposite can be true, though.
1: Well, here's one thing. It, kind of, I'd, I brought it up before, but "The Catcher in the Rye" sort of addresses this question. Really, I think I can be on record now saying this. This is my probably the, my favorite book.
0: Really, I've ever
1: read? Oh. oh my gosh, my brother. Um, I should I should talk about my brother more. I have two. So I'm the oldest. <laughs> I'm the oldest of. Um, I'll get I'll get back to the book. I'm the no, oldest no, of good. four siblings. So it's myself. Younger brother, uh, two younger brothers, Sam and Nathan, and a little sister, Caroline, and um, Sam is incredibly brilliant. I mean, like he—he he is gifted. He is really gifted. He's—he's, he's, uh, yeah, he's in high school, and um, we we talk a lot about this stuff. But he—he he was in an AP English class, and we—I um, had AP English, but I kind of came in late, in my typical. Like scandalous academic ways, but uh just just skating by and pretending to know things when I was a fool oh, still am but um and uh he, he really does it the right way, which I admire and um uh, he he was like, will you have to read the catcher in the Rye because like what we're doing now in this talk when I go home for a break or whatever this is like what Sam and I do way into the evening we talk about life and the 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 woes of our culture and how we want to live differently and you know things that we think are good and movies and so on but he's like you have to read the catcher in the rye and i'm like i'll see if we have a copy so between saint john's and saint ben's there's one copy of the book between the two libraries it was at saint ben's at the time and so i went over there and got it and uh oh my gosh that is how I felt through high school, <laughs> like that is spot on, and it's so often mischaracterized. I would say, or misunderstood, probably. Probably go with misunderstood, but um, check it out, man. You I could, will. You could read it. It's like 180 pages, and the print is big, so like you could you could do it in <laughs> you a couple got days. If you, you got want me there,
0: uh, oh my gosh! Because I'll read it. It's, it.
1: Yeah. Uh, kind of goes into realizing for the first time that a lot of people are fake. Mm. and uh, aren't interested in the truth or um, living better. They're just saying what they need to to get by. And it's sort of a teenager's realization that that's how a lot of the world functions. And I was like, I was this is what I was thinking <laughs> about in high school, man. And I was too foolish to know how to put it into words and much too angsty to um, be of any use to the issue because I was just – you know, complain or something, and that's not helpful to anyone, especially myself. But um, <laughs> yeah. it's like, man, that book is onto something, and it just it rings so true to me. So I would check it out. There's I my will. there's my plug of the podcast. There,
0: there's your plug. Read yeah. Catcher in the Ride. Catcher in the Ride. I will probably grab that. Hey, oh. I I probably will. I've been trying to read more books, and yeah. I'm usually terrible. I'm a documentary guy. Love documentaries. Love them, but I I there's something about finishing a book. It yeah. just gives you a satisfaction and mm-hmm. an understanding of the topic. Right. I think it's just the time you spend with it. It's like the mm-hmm. longer you spend with the person, the more comfortable you become. Right. And the more you try to understand them and at least work with them. You don't have to agree with them. Mm-hmm. But, no, I'll check that book out. That yeah. would be a nice little thing for me to do this week. Yeah. Right before uh, spring break comes barreling <sighs> across. Oh, my Lord.
1: I know. That's coming up quick, man. Oh, God. Yeah. Wow.
0: Well, I think we can call that here. I mean, it's been, I've, I've trapped you in this room for far too long already. You're
1: good, man. I don't even know the time.
0: (laughs) That's, that's will 2020. I, it just kind of happens, man. Yeah. No, but thank you so much for stopping by. I know you're a very busy individual, but I really wanted to get a chance to sit down and talk to you, at least pick up a couple of gold nuggets on the way. I know it's always, (laughs) every time I I sit down and talk to you, it's like, okay, I'm going to. I'm probably going to learn something now.
1: <laughs> I really appreciate it. I know. It's
0: always fun. It's always fun to have you. Yeah. So with that, thank you to Will. Yeah. And if you guys want to, as always, I should say, get in contact with the podcast, feel free to email us at thebengiffinpodcasts at gmail.com. We also have a new Minds account. Ben Griffin, hit us up there. And thank you to those who have been reaching out to us on Instagram and Twitter. We always appreciate your feedback. With that, again... Thanks for joining me. Thank you, Ben. Yeah, have a nice day, everybody. Thanks.